0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Happy 2024. We are officially in a new year, whether you were prepared for it or not. We are here, and you are here. And let's see, uh, let's see what the onion, you know, as we you know unravel it, what what this year looks like. Um, Going to be interesting. But before we get too deep into it, welcome to the MSP Initiatives MSP Talk. Uh, this is the first uh, session uh, or episode of 2024. Thank you for joining us, for everyone that you know follows us. And I know a lot of people you know listen to this kind of podcast edition. Uh, hopefully everyone had a great holiday. I hope you got your downtime in, your R&R. Now we start to get back to work a little bit. So mspinitiative.com, this is where everything that we do exists. This very session is being recorded. It will be, excuse me, under the sessions tab. Um, on MSPinitiative.com. Of course, it's in your podcatchers and on YouTube as well. Um, so and that's where you'll find this. We have two, and sorry for our folks that are in, in outside of North America, but we have two MSP Community Mind events coming up in 2024. One in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in uh, in April, 17th and 18th. One in Denver, Colorado, July 24th, 25th. Um, we love this format last year. And I know we're one of many organizations out there trying to change the tides a bit and uh, actually have a true educational format rather than the uh, sugar-coated <laughs> vendor-created content that's not really, um, not really helping you. So we really love this format, MSP panels and workshops. You know, so we want you to be able to learn from people who are in the trench doing what you do on various topics. And then when you wanna go into a topic deeper, We want more than a 45 minute PowerPoint presentation, actual, at least two hour workshops so that we can like work through a conversation. So we had a lot of great uh, content uh, and speakers last year. Uh, Looking forward to this year as well. Now, that's the the classroom stuff, right? That's where we learn. Where we have fun are the block parties. (laughs) So last year we did many block parties. We had uh, uh, some in Europe obviously some, and the rest here in North America. Coming into 2024, we may have some in Europe, some in North America, and then we may be finally getting down to our friends in Australia and New Zealand. Let's see how it all shakes out. Uh, But we did six of these last year in varying shapes, sizes, formats. We work with many of the larger event holders to work together to create pretty cool experiences. And so we do this for you, the community, uh, we'll continue to do these. There are a lot of work, but you know, love, love creating a cool, uh, memorable, you know, experience and vibe. Uh can't have a you know major uh record at, you know, like radio recognizable act at every event, but um still can still can walk away with some cool ones. So thank you if you came out in 2024. Um, you know, we, we're gonna we're gonna you know live up to the standard and we'll make sure 20 or 2023, we're gonna live up to the standard in 2024. Uh, Stay tuned. Community offers. These are offers that some of the vendor communities have thrown out, just deals for you. If any of them apply, feel free to take advantage. And then our industry calendar, our very diligent uh, event creator, uh, not event creator, but event um, Excel list builder. (laughs) He has so many events. Jen, behind the scenes, has pre-populated everything that we were able to get ahead of time coming into 2024 into the calendar so this goes all the way to december of course others will pop in and as we learn more we will get them into this uh but they are here so feel free to go all the way into december of 2024 almost 300 events like i said we'll learn more events will get announced as time goes on we'll get them in here once we know about them you know just trying to consolidate everything into one place just so many things going on so uh, that being said that is everything at mspinitiative.com which is you know pretty much what we do uh, you know so if you want to learn more uh, that is where you will find more information so now with all that homework out of the way uh, we bring our very first guest on for the year uh, Brian from mesh uh, you know who's actually I appreciate it you know you know I think the the, the folks over in Europe kind of like take a little bit more of a holiday uh, vacation period here during, uh, you know, the end and beginning of the year. I know us Americans, we just like, you know, we, we live to work. We don't work to live on something like that. So, uh, but thank you, Brian, for, for spending a little bit of what's your extended holiday there uh, on our first session of the year here at MSP mission.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Georgie. Uh, very honored to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I was back to work for, I think, not all of us in Europe, but most people are back uh, today. Some people are back next Monday, but yeah, you're right. Uh, You guys, you, you work too hard over there in the U S
0: we uh, you know, like unfortunately, and you know, not to get too deep into the p- predictions for 2024, but a lot of people on this side of the, uh, of the ocean uh, have multiple jobs because like, you know, it's a little bit more expensive now to like live, <laughs> you know, costs have gone up. Uh, inflation is a real thing and like all of a sudden uh you know you could be uh you could be the uber driver on nights and weekends you know when your day job you know is not cutting it so um
1: yeah.
0: it's it's definitely a trend they're saying the average worker in america is holding 2.5 jobs now um that's oh. that's surprising
1: yeah. uh yeah. but
0: you know like unfortunately you know when they get all of those crazy job reports they send out every quarter and they're like oh you know the you know jobs went up it's like well how many of those jobs are secondary or third jobs for you know, and like all of a sudden it looks like things, you know, more and more people are employed. Now it's the same people just doing more work. So, uh, or some of the time it is. So um, definitely interesting. Um, I want to just take a, a, you know, a quick intro, Brian, for people who don't know you, don't know your story, your journey, would love for you to share that a little bit. And then we'll just get into, hey, you know, like, what did you think 2023 was? You know, did all the things that you think was going to happen happened or <laughs> did, we, did we mispredict and then, of course, we're in perfect time to talk about a little bit of 24 as well. And like, what do you think happens this year? But I don't want to get too deep down the, the rabbit hole. Go for it, my friend.
1: Sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Brian Byrne, CEO, co-founder of Mesh. Uh, Mesh is the first email security platform specifically built for MSPs. Uh, my background, I'll try and give it the, the shorter version, Um unlike probably most of the listeners who are msps i'm non-technical i got into the space purely by accident um kind of finished high school didn't really want to do anything i was like oh you you don't have to get out of bed in the morning well that's good for me and i uh i quit university after like two hours because i was really immature uh i then went into construction did that for a, supposed to be a four-year apprenticeship, was still doing it after seven years and finally fell out of that, which was a great thing to happen. And I landed in a, what was what would be called today an SDR role. Back then it was a telemarketer, cold caller role at an email security company purely because it was five minutes from my house. Uh, knew nothing about it, and what's it now? Nearly 12 years on, noticed a little bit more about it. So that email security company was called MX Sweep you um, probably tell from my accent, uh, so I'm Irish. I'm based here in Dublin. Dublin's a, a good country for tech companies, so all of the really big tech giants, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, etc., all headquartered in Ireland, uh, that's for tax reasons. Uh, that's another story altogether. Um, but yeah, we, we do pretty well in terms of the size of country we are when it comes to tech startups. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're pretty good for that. So, uh, company was called MX Week, worked there for two years. It got bought out by a bigger U.S. email security company that was called FuseMail, Viper today. Uh, so got redundancy then, joined email laundry, another email security company, which I'm sure some of the listeners will remember. And that's where you and I would have first met on the road, George, uh, email Laundry was a really, really cool company, I got in, as the fifth employee and we were just small enough to innovate more rapidly than a lot of the bigger companies and got a really good reputation and maybe a victim of our own success got acquired again, so kind of a deja vu moment, oh hey Brian, we've been bought out and um, redundancy was a little bit longer coming the second time, right, and maybe two and a half years later. When uh, FireEye, who bought email laundry, decided they didn't want to own it anymore and basically shut it down. So uh, that was kind of the genesis for Mesh, was some of the techies from email laundry and myself had a bunch of ideas around email security and um, kind of what MSPs have been telling us for years. We're like, hey, it'd be cool if an email security product could do this. So we had a blank canvas in 2020, uh, middle of the pandemic. So we were set up. As a remote first company, because we didn't have a choice, uh, and yeah, we we st- uh, founded Mesh in Q three of twenty twenty, and yeah, so we're just over three years old now. This is our fourth year as a as a company, and I can get more into why we set it up and uh, nuts and bolts of it but uh but yeah that's a high level overview of my experience in this space been working with msps now for over a decade and uh and love it you know i feel like i i am my job kind of thing
0: no 100 i i love the story by the way i just love how you got kind of into email lane and then like that's been your specialty but all, all good um and yeah 100% agree with you that You know, Ireland, Dublin specifically has been this kind of, you know, like incubator of all these, uh, where all these companies park, Um, uh, you know, big, little in between just happens to be right time, right place, right, right tax rate. But I digress. Um, Also interesting that, you know, like we always try and learn lessons, good and bad. uh, And we've seen a lot of movement, right? Over the last three, four years, especially in this little, you know, MSP sandbox, and uh, when a company acquires another company, and it's like, ah, nope, we're going to shut it down. It's like, why did you, why did you buy it to begin with? But that's cool, I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think in our case, um, the company that bought us was so big that you know, um, things that seemed like a good idea at one point in time, and if the broader strategy of the company shifts shortly after there's enough money to go, yeah, you know, uh, we can, we can just say goodbye to that revenue. And ultimately that's what they did at the time. I was you know, pretty upset by it. because I loved doing what I did. And, uh, you know, I was, I was the face of that company for a few years as the channel manager and felt it was kind of, I wouldn't say I had built a house. That would be, that'd be wrong, but I played a big hand in it. So, uh, when they told me they were going to tear the house down, yeah, wasn't particularly happy about it, but it led to this. So, um, very, very grateful. Whoever decided uh, to kill email laundry decided that because it's it's led me to, to found Mesh. Um, lots of different pressures now as a founder, of course, and work a ridiculous amount of hours every week. But you know, I'm I'm happy with that.
0: Hundred uh, percent. Feel the pain there, no question about it. <laughs> um. So so we'll talk about twenty twenty three and twenty four in a second. But you know, like I feel like when we talk to people, like of course I'm based here out of the U S you know, on the East coast, which is, you know, the most populated part of the country, let's be honest. And when I think about like my journey through the industry, there's just so many things happening, so many events, so many places to talk about just, you know, you could turn you could be on the road all year long if you really wanted to, and just never really stop home. Um, I feel like the experience differs a little bit on your side, right? On the, you know, you know, Europe, UK, you know, kind of, Like what that looks like. And then I even hear a similar kind of echo down in like Australia, New Zealand, like APAC region, right? Like, hey, there's stuff Mm -hmm. happening. It just doesn't seem like it's happening as often and as big. And like everybody somehow makes it into the middle here at one point or another. So I'd love to hear like what your opinion is on why that happens.
1: I I think ultimately it's, it's opportunity. Right. So um, I kind of see us as being like a, like a sixties band, you know, like the Beatles or the Stones in terms of, yeah, it's great to make it in Ireland and the UK and be popular here. But if you want to crack it big time, you gotta, you gotta go to the U S so, yeah, that's what we're doing. Uh, So obviously the pandemic made travel tricky for, for everyone um we we closed investment round in the summer so uh we've now got some boots on the ground in the us and in q4 i was back and forth across the atlantic uh three times so three events well two events and uh and one onboarding a new hire in the us so um yeah like we're targeting english-speaking countries right so population of the uk is 60 million ish population of ireland I think is now around six uh, and the U S is what, 330 million Canada is another 30 or so. So, and then Australia is, I think Australia is only 30, right? Massive country, but tiny population Um, yeah. similar to Canada in terms of just land versus people. So the U S is where, if you're going after the English speaking market, it's where the biggest opportunity is. And, you know, your industry calendar that you have is, absolutely awesome you know to try and plan out what your year is going to look like um all the big events are, are in the U.S. you know so you you kind of you need to get over to them as much as you can um I'm actually thinking of of relocating to the U.S. potentially this year so wow. very early stages of invest investigating that but yeah that's kind of what I'm scoping out
0: what you know early, ge- early days but is there a particular part of the country or state that you're looking into
1: uh it have to be east coast for the time difference. Um, I don't like the cold weather to so this time of year, especially in Ireland, but I'm sure it's – are you in Philadelphia or are you just a yeah, massive eagle fan? Yeah, 30, it's 30,
0: 38 degrees right now, fair enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so for us it's, it's early 40s in Fahrenheit right now, but it feels so much colder over here. Like I've been to Boston when it's been 20 below freezing. And it's over here. It's like, you know, it could be 40 degrees. It feels colder here. You know, being a little tiny island in the North Atlantic, the wind cuts through you. So I hate that, George, to be honest with you. Um, so if I've, if I'm going to so like change
0: mid-Atlantic South, right? Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, maybe. maybe yeah, something like that.
1: Yeah, I don't think it'd go as high as Virginia, but maybe from North Carolina down or all options i would say being considered uh, and then for the events right so so i know like you travel as much as anyone i know in this space right um where did i see you Would it been network group q4 and you had just flown in for like two nights and then i think you were back and then back over a few days later for an amsterdam event or something like that
0: yeah uh, I, was, I was a crazy i was in a six-week back-to-back travel schedule uh yeah jen, jen who's behind the scenes has learned that the location of that network group event may have not been the best place on the planet for lodging, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Uber doesn't exist there uh, for some reason. So we went yeah. back in time a little bit, but yeah, I I remember at the back end of a six week run, it was like, Philly went to that network group again, which was like forty minutes south of what, uh, Heathrow. Then went back, mm-hmm. then went to Amsterdam, then went back, then went to Denver, then went back. And then then it was IT Nation in Orlando. So uh, I will admit for all of our traveler, you know, pals out there, uh, it seems like, you know, it's the rock star life. But for six weeks of travel, I probably had eight weeks of me being not well. (laughs) Yeah. So it does catch up with you.
1: Well, that was the point I was going to make. So so the vast majority of the events are in the U.S. It's, you know, I prefer to be uh, dipping over to Europe for just a couple of times a year, but Predominantly doing the travel within the US versus it being the other way around. When you've got to cross the Atlantic for every event, it just to it take its toll on you. You're right. Uh, so as I said, I've just gotten back from North America in the last few days. Uh I've completely lost my suitcase. Um okay. on the way over, my laptop got water damaged, so I had to get a new laptop shipped to me oh, wow. in the US. So as did I said, you said, check
0: your bag? How did the debt water damage? <laughs>
1: oh yeah uh so so the water damage you no know, that was my fault my water bottle leaked in my backpack uh yeah so i can't blame anyone for that uh just bad luck uh or stupidity on my part and then uh yeah i completely lost on the way back that was a checked bag uh, what, what airline backpack. air canada um so yeah so we're three days in now no sign of it. Not happy, but I digress. But the, the point I'm making there is, yeah, it, it appears to be the rockstar lifestyle, but it's it's not a whole lot of fun. So if you can reduce the travel to an extent, uh, yeah, that's part of the appeal of of potentially relocating to the US as well.
0: Hundred percent. No, I mean, listen, uh, if you do make it over here uh, on a more permanent basis, uh, can't wait to see you more often. Uh, it is definitely, uh, well, at least the concept was your money used to go further. Uh, when you did the math but got um, got to got to balance all of that out before you do anything right uh,
1: I think I think it still does uh, like Dublin's one of the most expensive cities in the world at the minute like uh, you know rental costs anywhere just extortionate you can't get like I think there's more value to be had in North America in most cities in North America maybe not you know manhattan or something like that you're not gonna you're not gonna get your bank for the book there but uh yeah from the research i thought it's like oh you can get a much nicer place uh in the southeast of the u.s than you can like for somewhere sure, not so sure. nice in dublin for yeah sure.
0: yeah Florida's a little bit explosive still right where there's just more people coming and going so mm-hmm. things are a little bit more you know <laughs> propped up in terms of cost there but uh but like north carolina south carolina there's a lot of good spots i think that um and different parts of Florida, of course, you can still find some some good deals. But I digress. Um, let's talk about when you set out to plan this time last year for 2023. Mm-hmm. What did you guess right? And what did you guess wrong in terms of the you know, from an industry standpoint? Uh, yeah. know, I'll give you a couple of things, right? Like, sure. Sure. We were all talking this time last year that like sometime in the year, like, you know, the stock market was going to crash, you know, things are going to go down and then like bubble was going to burst. And then like, everybody's going to have to like be in, you know, in the bottom for a while. And then that kind of didn't happen. Like it was, bu- it was, it was bumpy. Right. And it was a roller coaster a little bit, but like mm-hmm. it kind of, it did mellow out. Right. And we never saw that big dip or, um, you know, like, and I think the counter of that was a lot of tech companies, laid off a lot of people last year, big tech companies, by like double-digit yeah. percentages. So those are two things that I remember from this time last year, but go for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first one, you, you kind of took it from me. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Um, so so we were in the process of raising money this time last year. Um, so we'd kind of had knocks on the door for quite some time, but we wanted to get the company to a point where it was profitable before we entertained external investment. Um, simply because I didn't have the time to talk to my investors while trying to grow it, but also you'd have a stronger hand when it came to negotiating. So uh, we got, we were looking to get three offers from VCs, one in the US, two here at home in Ireland. Uh, and as we start working through the negotiations, then Silicon Valley Bank happened. Uh, that went bust, and then there was, you know, rumors of this potential domino effect. And I remember thinking, yeah, the economical outlook for uh, globally basically, you know, because if, if the US tanks, everyone kind of tanks as a result um, and I thought, oof, you know, this looking pretty grim, but you're right, it kind of it mellowed out and uh, you know, things feel relatively stable at the minute um things can never be too stable these days. The other one then was, was I guess, AI and, and automation um that's what but I was thinking this time last year is, is what, what is that going to look like? Um, I can't remember exactly when chat GBT exploded and then obviously the other ones came out behind it. But um, yeah, it was, it was my kind of, not, not a prediction, but where I thought the year was going was this is just going to dominate every podcast, social media post. is going to be people telling you, how to use these new tools, and yeah, you know, we still you still see a lot of it. Um, from an MSP industry standpoint, to me, it was it was interesting to see what would happen with events. Um, so that Ocon in Miami, which was, was that September, early October.
0: It was like first week of October, second, third, fourth. Something. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so, so that was the first time I'd been to the US post pandemic so my last event was it nation 2019 so yeah I'd, I'd be doing uh probably 10 15 events in the u.s pre-covid so i'd not been back since and uh i had done uh in dublin so it was nice that such a big european event was in my home city and i didn't have to go on a plane to go to one of them and obviously uh both you and and jen uh were at that one um but I kind of felt that it, it wasn't the best attended. Um, and certainly at, at our booth, we didn't really get a whole lot of footfall. So my kind of thinking last year was, has has the event industry changed somewhat since the pandemic? And, you know, was it a result of some of the events going online? Some people just being reluctant to travel? Um, so, so that was my concern at the start of the year was, hey, my, my strategy here with Mesh, one of my strategies to to grow is to get in front of MSPs at events, right? Meet people on the booth, meet people in the bar. You know, that's how, how I succeeded at email laundry a lot of the time. Um, So I was fearful of that at the start of last year, but having attended a bunch of events, the latter half of last year, um, IT Nation and DattoCon being the big two, uh, my fears were allayed uh, and yeah, things were incredibly busy, incredibly well attended. So that was probably a prediction I'd gotten wrong. I thought maybe, uh, maybe events aren't going to be as popular as they were uh, pre COVID, but look, you go to way more events than I do, Georgie. What's, what's your take on that?
0: I do think, I mean, I think I'm going to be on a session tomorrow night, 7 PM Eastern time with a bunch of other people from the industry talking about this exact topic. Uh, so here's a preview guys, uh, for the it slash MSP channel. Um, I do think, I do think 2023 was affected and that there was a reverb still coming off of 22, 21. Um, I do think that the recipe, you know, is slightly starting to change meaning like hey the events that have been around forever and ever and ever right rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat like maybe the maybe it's you know kind of gotten stale to some degree right Mm -hmm. you need to tweak your recipe a little bit or you know i think there's been a new you know kind of approach which is hey you know we want to you know we've seen this now we know what this is we understand why this is let's talk about something different for the sake of change right kind of thing so I think there was a a little bit of an event explosion where all these new things were coming out in 23 that didn't exist before, um, which then, you know, like spreads the, you know, the audience out a little bit, right? Where some of the events that you thought were going to be super attended were well attended, but not super attended. You got these other things that have popped up, right? There's more things happening simultaneously uh, to the point where there may be too many options to some degree. Uh so I think that kind of happened in 23. I think that's going to kind of maybe shake itself out here in 24 where it's like hey, you know, like every you know, ideas are great. We love ideas. We love new concepts, but you know, it's expensive for everybody to make it to these things. I hope that air travel and just moving around does not get more and more expensive, which definitely went up in 23. I mean, there's no question about it that the prices went up. Uh flights, everything. So, um I do think that there is some reality, um, Brian, to, you know, like, just like, yeah, you, know, you did a lot of SDR and you did a lot of sales calls, right? You get on the call and you say, hey, I'm going to tell you everything you could possibly know. But before I go down and tell you, like, yeah, you know, I could be on the phone for hours, what do you want to get out of this call, right? Like, what what do I need to cover with you today, right now, to make sure that you got your stuff in order, it's the same conversation with this topic, right? It's like, hey, when I go to an event as an attendee, as somebody who's trying to, what am I trying to get out of it, right? Am I am I trying to learn something? Am I trying to get the vibe of what's going on? What's the next bleeding edge? Like, you know, you know, what's working? What's not? Like, what is it that you you're trying to get out of it? And I think the answer to that question determines where you go, right? Uh, if it's, hey, I can only be out of the, you know, my my business so many times per year. So the larger the event, the more people that are there, the more you know peers that make it there, the more vendors are all in one place. I can check three, four, five, eight, ten things in one shot, without me having to be out of the office for three months out of the year. Got it? Or it's hey, I've been to this event for a decade. I think I you know like I might take a couple years off, right? Because I think I got what I need out of it. What is what can I get net new, right? Am I trying to add a new line of business? Am I trying to learn you know a new Compliance, or is there some sort of complexity that I'm unsure about, and I want to learn more about this specific uh, specific topic? So that being said, I think I think that's going to drive things moving forward. And um, you know, at the end of the day, I think you know there's a, there's a little <laughs> I'm going to say it out loud here. You know, so sorry for those people out there that they're in the event business. Of the hundred percent of the IT service providers, managed service providers, put pick whatever you know label you want to use less than 10% make it to an event in, in, in a 12 month calendar year. So like 90% don't. So think about how much money goes into that
1: 10%. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and and you're probably the same as me. You see the same MSPs at multiple events, right? So um, I don't know if they just, their business is so mature and well-oiled that they can get out more. Or they just enjoy the uh, the social side of the events. Probably, probably a combination of both.
0: No, I mean, listen. I think the purpose of why people go back to events, as your business matures, changes. I've seen mm-hmm. MSBs were in startup mode, get into hey, I'm in you know kind of maturity mode. Then they go back to the event, and now they're trying to figure out who's going to sell. And now they're there for a completely different reason. Or Hey, I'm an MSP. Things are good. I spun a second company out of my MSP. Now I'm a vendor. I'm at the event on the other side. Or, hey, um, you know, I want to put, uh, whether it's a formal or informal group together of people in the industry, and I may only see them a couple times a year in person, I use a bigger event as a reason to do that. And now I put that group together and now I figure out, hey, what's what's happening? I want to benchmark against other people so I make sure I'm in the right place. There's a lot of reasons, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the the reason does change over time depending on where you are uh but there's one thing for sure the concept is the people that are willing to invest a little bit of time and 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 money out of their business to get to an event they they categorized as people who are trying to get better who are trying to grow or trying you know to mature their businesses versus the people you never see
1: unfortunately sure. yes. the people
0: you never see are the majority of the people
1: yeah like the the ones i see repeatedly are are the ones that tend to be growing the most you know um and and obviously there's a a number of factors involved with that but i think there's definitely a, a correlation there right um it is that motivation to expose yourself to new ideas as you said what's the newest technology what are the trends emerging in this space can i meet with peers uh am I looking to meet with people who might buy my business am I looking to meet with MSPs who I might want to buy their business etc um but you're right yeah lots of people I speak to have never been to an event and I I do try to encourage it you know because I think it's a healthy thing to do um to expose yourself to new ideas but yeah as you said it's uh expensive and it's it's not getting cheaper
0: no 100% not actually I actually, I posted it on one of my social channels. I had a guy who posted a quick video. Um, he was like, hey, I think the travel industry is about to explode. I was like, explode as an implode or explosion? Like, no, implode, explode, meaning it's going to grow rapidly. And he's like, but there's a negative reason why. He's like, the negative reason why is if you're under 30 years old, you've given up on the concept of owning a house or buying a property. And so right. if, that, if that dream is not real, you're going to spend all your time traveling. And so you're not going to save to buy something. You're just going to travel a lot. So uh, I was like, huh, how about that? I was like, does that hurt or does that help uh, the travel costs? Well, I, I still think a lot of the airlines, Brian, <clears throat> did not bring their full fleets back from COVID. And yeah. I think that a lot of planes are full, but they're not running as many planes as it was back in 19, 2019. And so I think that there's been a little bit of artificial supply and demand, right, as a result. Um, there's still less planes flying, but yet they're, you know that kind of thing. So we'll see how that works in 24. Let, let's talk about what you're, what you think's going to happen this year, right? Now, so you're two days, not even two full days into the calendar. Uh What, from an, from an MSP industry standpoint, what do you, uh You don't have to have a lot of them. Maybe you only have one or two, but like, what do you, what are your guesses for the year?
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think more and more MSPs are going to get to grips with uh automation. Um, You know, I spend all day, every day talking to MSPs and the frequency with which that subject comes up is, you know, it's night and day between where it was 12 months ago. Um, so more and more MSPs are being exposed to obviously the, the different vendors in that space that are out there. Um, I think more and more vendors are going to look to either buy that technology for their products or, or build it, right? So um, obviously you've got the likes of Pia and Roost and ConnectWise come out with their one at IT Nation and I have Cooperbots, etc. et cetera. I think we'll see more of, of that and more MSPs adopt those technologies and try and get them to play nice with all of the other vendors. Um, that's the one that, as I said, comes up over and over again and we're getting requests from msps can we as a vendor integrate with some of those tools um and i guess you know the appeal is replacing a certain type of techie with some ai and automation right and saving money so that that all makes sense uh, i think that's going to continue to grow um and then you know m a uh is i think again projected to uh, grow again this year after maybe a little bit of a slowdown in, in q1 of last year so i think we'll see naturally some consolidation with msp focused vendors and uh obviously the big guys will continue to buy up some smaller niche vendors that you know they they just don't cover yet as a as a product. Um, So, yeah, I don't have any super hot takes on, you know, something that nobody else has probably considered for 2024. Uh, They're kind of the things that I see most of based off of what MSPs are kind of telling me that they're thinking, hey, here's here's where things are going. Um, Could I make a crazy prediction for 2024? Uh, No. I I think at at some point we're going to see – two very different sized MSPs and that middle tier I think is is maybe going to die away. I don't think that's going to happen this year, right? So I'm not saying it's a 2024 prediction, but I think at, at some point, you know, the, the amount of MA that's going on in, in, in the MSP space, not necessarily just the vendor space, but the MSP space, and you've got, you know, I don't know, 20 super MSPs probably in the US, that's going to continue to grow. They're going to continue to buy up the successful smaller ones uh, and they're just going to mushroom into these gigantic MSPs and then I think the middle guys will struggle to compete on maybe not on service but certainly on price and, and I guess just the ability to support differing needs of businesses so you'll get people leaving and starting up small MSPs so I think you'll have you know the five person shop on below and then you'll have this gap up to really large msps but i'm thinking that's a little bit further down the line obviously with compliance and things like that it's just going to be harder i think to start um to start a new msp and have to meet all the regulations that are i'm sure going to come in over the next few years and make it harder just that barrier to entry will be greater i think to start a new msp at some point down the line but um we're not we're not there yet and I hope doesn't sound like super negative or uh, pessimistic on the industry, not at all, but I I just, yeah, I see the bigger MSPs just all kind of merging into one, you know, several huge, huge MSPs. Um, And yeah, I, I just think the smaller guys are, you know they've got their work cut out to to compete against that right because they're going to be hit from all angles um and we see that here in ireland we see it in the uk so it's not unique to the us i just think it's it's where the industry's headed um but i'd, I'd love to hear yours georgie now you speak
0: i did not prepare for that uh this call i did not think about it. i can think right off the top of my head um to your point you know, the rich getting richer, poor getting poor kind of thing, middle class disappearing from an MSP mm-hmm. standpoint. I mean, there's a lot of vendors out there that help you outsource, outsource, outsource so that you don't have to be 100 people, right, in order to compete. I mean, price at the end of the day it might be price, but I think the, ex- the end result is the delivered customer experience. You know, for the price that you're charging, can you give them a good experience You know, and if you can meet that, I still think that, you know, the IT services business, as much as we hear about, you know, global and big tech and work from anywhere, still very regional, in my opinion. Um, That's just my two cents. That being said, um, there can be, and and maybe I'm just an extremes guy, right? Uh, But like, if you try and automate too much of the customer facing part, I believe you might get to a frustration point. Let me give you an example big three carriers of the cell phone companies here in the U S right. T-Mobile Verizon and AT&T. Yeah. And uh, a year and a half ago, T-Mobile started firing customers who were calling into the call center for T-Mobile too many times in a month. And it's like, it's like, you're costing us too much. So we think that you're not a good customer. Take your business somewhere else. Could you like think about that for a second? So at, at scale, Instead of outsourcing their call center to another part of the world, they're like, no, we're going to keep our call center here in the U S (laughs) but the people who are the offenders, we're going to take away the top 10% or whatever. Right. Um, Look at the inverse of that. All right. We could outsource, outsource, outsource to the Philippines or, you know, know, I think, you know, Dell may have killed the India route a long time ago or whatever. Right. But um, if you automate too much, and now you're literally like trying to get a hold of someone to solve a problem and like the bot is just not cooperating. Do you get to a frustration point where you're like, well, if I can't talk to a human being, get me out of this. Like I, I'm just not gonna True. do that. So there is a little bit of a balancing act, I think, uh, that goes to it. I don't I'm all for efficiency. I love efficiency. I love to be able to do more with less. Uh what I think pay less is uh, that's their trademark. Do you know? Got to do more, pay less, or something like that. Whatever, do more with less, right? I love that. Yeah. I love that technology can help facilitate scale. To a to a to a surface level, though, right? Sure. Like at some yeah. point, if you you know need to get something done and it ain't doing it, if you can't get a hold of someone, and like all of these customer service routes are just automation with nobody you know who can actually talk to a human being, I think that that could be in the end too far.
1: Um, oh, I, I agree completely. Like, I'm literally having this problem trying to figure out where my bag is with Air Canada. I cannot get to speak to a person. Uh, and, yeah, there, there was another one recently where I was dealing with chatbot I was trying to change flights, something else, different airline. Uh, and it's all a bot and can't help. So, yeah, it, it, does, it does make you extremely frustrated and you want to speak to a human.
0: So let me ask you this. In the US, there's an airline called Frontier Airlines. And one of the big mm-hmm. things Frontier did about a year ago was they deleted their phone number. They disconnected their number. So you like you can only do through the through the app. You can only have to go through the bot. There is no one 800 number or nothing. You can't talk to a human being. Which, by the way, I would equi- I would say Frontier is the equivalent to your Ryanair, right? It's like, yes, hey, we're the yeah. low budget, cheap, cheap, cheap. Like they even have a $4.99 per month, unlimited flights, but there's all these restrictions, right? Right. So, yeah. so be, be, be careful with that one. So like Ryanair, I don't know if they deleted their phone number, but I remember an interview with the CEO of Ryanair and he's like, hey, if we could set it up where people could stand on flights, we could get more people on the flight and we could lower the price of the ticket. And I was like, just doesn't seem safe, but okay. I got what you're saying. Did they delete their phone number over there at Ryanair? I don't know. I don't know
1: i i avoid flying with them georgie because uh yeah you know you can show up and not have read the very very small print and you know they're looking to squeeze another 100 euro out of you so uh yeah the the ticket itself could be 10 euro but all the add-ons and stuff and you know paying to go to the bathroom you don't really have to do that but um but yeah they would i'd love uh they'd love to charge you for that as well yeah that guy is interesting um I don't think you have, do you have bus lanes in, in the US? I guess you do, right? Where uh,
0: so, so definitely in major cities, there are bus lanes. Like, New York City has bus lanes, for example. Or Yeah. The, now the, now the, they c- have, like, a bike lane and a bus lane, and now the cars, used to have two lanes in a lot of areas, and now down to one lane.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's happening everywhere, but so so in, in Dublin, bus lane is, bizarrely, taxis can use it, right? So for buses and taxis. So uh, the CEO of Ryanair, passed whatever test it was and bought a license so that he could drive his car in the bus lane and skip uh skip traffic i don't know if he's actually doing the driving or you know he's just being chauffeured or whatever but uh yeah interesting character um that whole model was actually based off of set west so i don't think he really created it he just saw what Southwest west were doing he's like yeah let's let's try and replicate i think
0: that. he took it a few notches further though uh, oh yeah yeah. like 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 at the end of the day ten dollar flight sounds fantastic there's a bus company in the u.s like if you book ahead of time enough it's like a one dollar bus between cities and you're like oh that's cheap um but at some point like like you just said like you get to the point where you just avoid it because you almost can't rely on it right like you're waiting for the the gotcha to come and then all of a sudden your flight gets canceled you're stranded your stuff's missing like you you show up to charge you like double the price like Nobody, I feel like that's the to the, when you get too far down one angle, now you've broken the experience, and then like you lose people.
1: Well, when they lost me a few years ago, I was on a flight like really early, 6 a.m. Uh, I had probably been out late, and they continually advertised during the flight, right? So they'll sell absolutely everything, but they turned the PA system up as loud as they could. So most people were you know drifting in and out of sleep it was still dark out and they were blasting us with like you know trying to sell you scratch cards and things like that so scratch cards does that translate in the us lottery tickets kind of thing but not lottery actually tickets, yeah. but yeah uh that's what they were selling and i remember just going never ever again i'm going like, put myself through this you know they just just didn't care about the customer experience It was all about what they could get you to buy Staff have to buy their own uniforms and pay for their own training. Yeah, it's just that the company with ethics that just don't align with me. So even if they're cheaper, I will avoid at pretty much all costs. There's some places where you got to go to them. Actually, Network Group last year, which I know you attend uh, quite frequently, or maybe it was the year before, they had an event in Newcastle, England, and I flew to Scotland to avoid going with Ryanair and got a train down. That's how much I... Wow. Sides now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So that added probably, you know, three hours onto my trip. Didn't care. Avoid Reiner uh, at all costs.
0: Got it. Message received. So I think we could take some of the lessons of other industries and kind of apply it to (laughs) the sandbox that we all live in uh, to the point where, you know, like I'm not saying don't do something, you know, like if you keep on doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, you know, definition of insanity, but, you, if you go too far, you know, if you go to an extreme level, I think that that could be, you know, also damaging, right? So you kind of have to get this, you know, equilibrium of way, you know, of things, right, where you're kind of balancing everything. But I think that's kind of the the good, the fun part of the tech, you know, being in the tech industry, right? Like there's, it's all there's a lot of new, always mm-hmm. new, it's almost like a toy store, right? Constantly opening up new but there's also the business part of it, right? That you almost forget. And you're like, Hey, love the tech, love the lights, love the automation need to make sure that, you know, the back end makes sense too. And, uh, I will say this, Brian, I mean, I think we've been around the industry now. You said you, you've been in a decade. Uh, if I count my MSP time and my, my vendor time, you know, I go back to about 2000, 2001, so maybe two decades or so. Um, man, they sold a lot of hopes and dreams uh, on an on, MSP vendor land, right? How many times did you heard single pane of glass? How many times did you heard, oh, this is gonna, you know, do everything, you know, short of making your coffee for you, you know, you're gonna be able to hire less people, do more, da 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 da, and like you heard the word integration, like every other word, um, I feel like the dream never really came true to, to some degree, right? Like you almost ended up having so many things to manage you know that that unified experience was more of marketing than it was reality and i think you know fast forward to what you said in this call it's like hey i think automation's actually here uh to what to what degree though you know like is it actually is it actually real
1: yeah i mean i mean to to a certain extent uh i think i think it is it will always have its limitations. Um, I, I think the number of vendors MSPs deal with today is however many multiples of probably what it was seven or eight years ago. Um, you know, I, I used to think I knew most vendors in the room when I showed up at an event, and now, you know, at IT Nation half of them i've i've never heard of before you know so and look there's so much money in this space because it's so hot and the prediction is that it's going to continue to grow for you know the next however many years so obviously private equity you're putting a lot of money into vendors in the space and for us we're, we're backed by vc company uh yeah there's there's a lot of people who think this is a an industry worth throwing money at and with that comes the emergence of lots of new vendors trying to solve different little pieces of the the problem. But with that, as you said, comes the likes of vendor fatigue, difficult to manage everything. Uh, And yeah, single pane of glass, I think, depending on the context, can never really exist. But if it's solving a single problem, uh, then yeah, we kind of use that in, in some ways, single pane of glass, you can manage all your customers from a single pane of glass when it comes to email 30 can't do that with other products but uh but i appreciate when you're talking single pane of glass you mean manage all your customers for everything and, uh i don't ever really see that existing you know that's that's kind of a, a unicorn
0: yeah i agree i just you know they used it so much so often i would say maybe about 10 years ago uh that you're like wow this is great and like, like <laughs> you know, every year you're like is this the year can i see it i'm waiting for the magic update and the magic update maybe never really came
1: <laughs> yeah I, I would say i'd say that's fair and and i don't think it will at, at this point um obviously the the big companies add lots and lots of different products to their stack and if they can integrate them all then maybe they could have a claim to do it but i've not seen it yet so i'm gonna remain skeptical
0: no, agree. Still, skept- still skeptical. Well, let me, uh, you know, zooming out, right? Do you feel like, you know, so the industry experts say that there's still a lot of net, you know, like, okay, like, hey, there's M&A up top, right? We talked about, and that's, yeah, that's there. There's still more MSPs being started than there are MSPs being merged or acquired or closing for that matter. Right. So, You know, I'm sure when you went out into the world and said, hey, you know, we need to like justify why we're going out there to raise money for our company, our idea. You're like, hey, this is a big industry. It's growing. You know, like I I heard, I don't know if it's true. I was talking to somebody, uh, you know, within the last 90 days and they're like, oh, there's 90,000 IT companies in Germany. And I'm like, wow, I was like, can that be true? I don't know. That number sounds off. But, uh, Hmm. you know, so it's just funny that, you know, when you start going into these different pockets of the world. They may call it something different, but when you just use the word "IT company," you know now all of a sudden the number just you know grows and grows and grows by leaps and bounds. How much of it's real? I don't know. Every time I talk to somebody, the number is different.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: But do you like? Do you still feel the industry is, you know, net growing?
1: Uh, I I do, but look, I I have a very small sample size, right? So I'm basing it off of the experience that I see when I go to events. When I speak to MSPs and when I hear from different people that I follow on LinkedIn, for example, that would probably have a lot more access to information than, than I do on what they share. And like you, it's a different number every time I see it. So when, when we were raising, uh, I can't remember what the figure I gave was, but I was conservative with it, you know, uh, because the caveat to it all is well, what defines an IT company, right? You know, I could set up an msp tomorrow and do it support for you know my uncle's law firm of two people and my friends fruit and vegetable shop and he's one person you know and i can call myself an msp you know so uh do i then get counted in that number i mean if it's ninety thousand in germany then yes absolutely because i think that's that's on the high side um so is it net growing uh i would think based off of the money that it attracts it has to be people with uh access to solid information on that are obviously encouraged by what they see um but yeah i i didn't even know that more msps are being created than are being uh acquired merged or uh you know going out of business so um i would say that's it that's an encouraging sign
0: yeah i think to your point, I think you know, there's there's a lot of industry smart guys out there like the Matt Lees of the world, right? Like so easy to call yourself an IT company, right? You start a company and you, know, you could go to services that do that. You put up a website, you create a logo and you're in business, right? Like not everybody, you know, not all, not all things are created equal. But to that end, you know, like if somebody started something, let's say you started Mesh like in the pandemic. What if you started MSP in the last three years? You don't need necessarily have a physical location. Everybody's mm-hmm. remote. Everything's in the cloud. Everything's software as a service. You know, you pay. You know, a lot of it's pay as you go. Some isn't. And like back to your automation point, if you're at, we're at the high point the, from a watermark standpoint on being able to do a lot of things with not a lot of people. You know, one would argue. You know, you could, and I've seen this now. I've had. I know people have. They're on their third or fourth. Hey, they sold their MSP. They started a new one they grew it a little bit sold it again started another and like you know it just almost gets easier every time
1: i think i think it gets easier in, in some ways as i said you don't need to break some water building anymore to to do this everything's in the cloud uh i think to an extent you can support people remotely but you know definitely for some things you need to be local and have boots on the ground for it um but as i said i i think regulation and the hoops you're going to have to jump through to support businesses is likely going to change. You know, it's already, it's already on the way in different jurisdictions. I think that'll make it far trickier to just, I'm not saying on a whim, but to go, Hey, for $500, I can get my logo website incorporation, and, and get this going and tell people I'm an MSP. I think that's going to be trickier when, you know, you're going to need to check a lot more boxes around compliance and insurance. Um, so yeah, Barrier to entry I think will be higher Um, will it see the death of the middle class and MSP terms I don't know as I said that was a bold prediction I was making up for this year Um, yeah we'll, we'll see how it turns out come back to me in 2028 Georgie we can have this chat again then and see what gonna, that looks like
0: I'm going to put that in my calendar I'll see what happens
1: <laughs> do, do. hopefully we're all still around by then as well I think, you know?
0: I, hopefully we are for sure <laughs> Uh, On the eleventh, you know, kind of hour here on the on the session, a little bit, you know, yeah, what do you want people to know about Mesh? Why should they take a look at it? And you know, where do you see the most success when you're talking with MSPs from a partnership standpoint?
1: Yeah, good question. So uh, for MSPs listening who are extremely happy with their email security product today and their customers love it and they feel it can't get any better than you know, you can stop listening now if you want, there's zero there on from, from my pitch. Uh, while we built it, we wanted to solve two problems that we didn't feel at the time were being solved. Since then, a few vendors have um, come up with similar concepts. Um, there's still a bunch of things that we do that are uh, entirely unique. Um, one of them was the ability to manage all your customers centrally, right? So if you want to see as an MSP, hey, has George Bardassi sent an email to any one of my clients I want to search that across them all, rather than with other products. You got to log into the individual tenant, search, et cetera, et cetera. So, from a threat hunting point of view, um, it really lends itself to having true multi-tenancy there across tenancy, right? So, that was one of the things we can do. The mantra was basically, if I want to do something for one customer, it should just be as easy to do it for all my customers, right? Could be block a sender, allow an IP address, update a policy whatever it might be, cascade down from MSP level to client level. Um, And we didn't feel anyone was doing that. The second one was, uh, we felt, without going too technical, but just how email security is implemented, right? So historically, most uh, email security products have been email security gateways. So perimeter-based protection, stopping the email before it gets near the mail environment. Uh, The last, what, seven, eight, nine years now, since the move of email to the cloud, There's been the emergence of API based vendors. So, integrating into the mailbox and scanning the email when it hits the mailbox and then kicking it out if it's bad. And I kind of see it as, you know, kind of like a security guard on the door of a club or a bar. Um, your email security gateway standing on the outside saying, Hey, not tonight, you're wearing the wrong shoes, or go, go right on in. Um, and it has a couple of shortcomings in terms of if it lets you in, it can't reach in and pull you back out, right? It can't go into the mailbox and rip stuff back out. It's very much of the opinion, it was fine when I checked it. Uh, and then it doesn't see what's already going on at in the inside, right? So it doesn't see your internally sent traffic. So here are all the things that the API based vendors say, Hey, we do. I see the API based vendors as kind of like the security guard on the dance floor. It's on the inside seeing what's going on. It can kick stuff out if trouble has started internally. It does see internally sent emails, but its shortcoming is if it doesn't have something on the gateway, then it's kind of got an open door policy, right? Everyone's allowed in, then they're analyzed and can be thrown out. So we were seeing MSPs double up. Uh, so getting one email security provider as their gateway and then layering that with another email security provider as their API product. And with that, came double protection which is absolutely a positive but the negatives were on board twice managed twice, searching two separate places for emails two separate companies to support you and two invoices at the end of the month that you know you're trying to solve the same problem you're paying double for it Uh, and then if you go back to the first challenge we wanted to solve was this kind of global view and control neither product has that right so you're managing your clients individually so that's what mesh was set up to solve is that hey if you want an email security gateway if you want to replace your existing gateway you think it's not good enough you can have mesh gateway if you've got an api product that you're looking to replace you can have mesh 365 or if you see the value in doubling up with a security guard on both the door and the dance floor but they actually talk to each other and like each other and are not double the cost well then you've got mesh unified and you can mix and match that on a per client basis and you can manage them all centrally from dare I say it George, a single pane of glass where you can make changes to a single customer or to all your customers just as easily. So that's a very, very long winded elevator pitch. It's gotta be a tall building for me to get that out in the elevator, Um, but we're we're pretty, I, I, I think MSPs are now at the point where they can smell, you know, uh, cheesy sales lines and companies that over promise, right? So as I said, if you're happy with your existing provider today, you don't need to think of changing. MSPs have a million things to be dealing with and fires to put out. Changing vendors or shopping around for vendors when they don't have a problem is never something we want to entertain. We help MSPs where they recognize, hey, my existing product could be better at detection. Its end user experience could be improved, but for the most part, what we see is MSPs are looking for something that is easier to manage. It's going to increase their operational uh, efficiency, uh, and that obviously lends itself to being more profitable and hopefully growing revenues as well. So that's where we've had success. Uh, so we're at about 200 MSPs now, half of which are in the US, uh, most of which we achieved without having anyone over there, which was nice, but you know, we, we want to grow that. Um, and they move for a variety of reasons, but kind of the one that underpins it all is something that's just easier to manage and a company that's easy to deal with. So, um, yeah, we, we have MSPs saying really positive things about us on the various communities out there, Tech Tribe, uh, MSP Um, So if you go ahead and search what people say about Mesh, um, mostly, if not all positive.
0: Be careful on that Reddit.
1: <laughs> oh yeah wild wild west for sure the totally, double edged sword
0: totally wild west my favorite new show of the year so far is um slow horses on Apple TV plus okay so not heard of it check it out it's uh it's a it's a uk based show i loved it i like binge watch all three seasons like basically today uh because I was really mm-hmm. into it so you should check that out uh because it's a, you know kind of in your neck of the woods uh Brian where do people find more about mesh and how do they contact
1: Yeah, so uh, you can fill in a contact form on our website, which is meshsecurity.io, or you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, uh, Brian Bourne, and I'm quite well connected in this space on LinkedIn, so it shouldn't be too hard to find me. Um, I'd hope I'm near the top of the search results, although it's a very common name, especially here in Ireland.
0: Fair enough. Guys, this session was 1000% recorded, went a little bit all over the place, uh, but I love these beginning of the year and end of year ones, right? Because you can kind of talk about things in a holistic way. And sometimes we forget to do that because they're so entrenched in the lanes that we're in. So you will find this session eventually on mspinitiative.com under sessions. We'll post it to YouTube. We'll post it to the podcatchers, but it'll also be there. Uh, obviously, check out messsecurity.io or hit Brian in, uh, online. If you can't find him, send me a message. I'll, I'll get you in the right place. Uh, but I'm excited for 2024. Uh, I, I just really love technology. I just think that, you know, there's a cool, you know, every year there's like a new trend of things that are coming down the pipe. And like some people sit and wait, some people jump on the, on the wave. Uh, I'm an early adopter guy, but you know, that's not necessarily production ready stuff, but yeah, you know, I love the Tinker. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of the people who listen to this are Tinkerers as well. Uh, Brian, thank you for jumping on. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you, uh, you know, you get the year started off uh you know all guns blazing i know things kind of slow their way into rolling but um you know and if you do make it over here uh to permanently on the east coast uh let us know where you you land so we can uh we can plan for you my friend
1: We'll do well. I'll I'll see you in a couple of weeks in the UK anyway, Georgie, and then I'll be at Ride of Boom, which is the first one we've confirmed in the US this year. And thanks for having me on, and uh, and also thanks for everything that you do in this space. You know, uh, I don't know how you wear the hats that you do, um, you know, being a, a vendor, but also being this community guy. So I think everyone, vendors and MSPs alike, get tons of value from what you do for the community, George. So I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, here's, thank you here's very much. Here's
0: a quick answer this versus that i think that's the difference. <laughs> couldn't help it man you gray hair love it absolutely all right
1: right fair enough well thank you very much uh yeah i calmed it today because i knew this was being recorded had this not been recorded georgie i wouldn't have bought it i got you i got you talk soon my friend all right take it easy see you soon thanks okay. Bye bye